I want to personally thank In Spirit for that marvelous rendition of what the Spirit of Prophecy has written on page 57 of the book Education. What a wonderful challenge to each of us, the greatest want of the world, is the want of each of us who will stand for truth. And I'm going to talk about that tonight. And praise God that the Lord has led In Spirit to speak and to actually sing and to speak to our hearts about that. I'm just delighted to have been able to be present at the ASI convention. On behalf of the General Conference and the world field, I want to thank ASI for all that it has done for many years and is doing today. The projects that have been funded just today by your generosity are absolutely incredible. I also am delighted that uh, people have been able to go through the booths to be able to see what ministries are being accomplished. And it amazes me how the Holy Spirit speaks to people, encourages them in their own ways to use their own gifts, and then to be able to go out and actually be sustained by God's people in every way possible, some very modestly and others in a grander way. This is the moving of the Holy Spirit upon God's people. I'm also delighted that we have seen such an emphasis in this afternoon's program on the great cities. As many of you know, the General Conference has called the attention to the world field regarding the great cities. Over 50% of the world's population now lives in those urban areas. It is our responsibility to take this precious Advent message, the three angels' messages, to those metropolitan areas. We need to follow the spirit of prophecy counsel. We need to allow the biblical principles of being able to reach people to be shown. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says that when he drew near, he saw the city that was Jerusalem, and instead of being overjoyed, it says he wept. My question to you at this point this evening, as you have listened to these reports, as you have seen what God is doing in many places, not only in this country, but around the world in the large cities, are you willing to weep with Jesus for the people of the cities? Are you willing to do something for God's great last final cry to this world? In the spirit of prophecy, we read in that magnificent book, which is a favorite of mine, Medical Ministry, page 304, when the cities are worked as God would have them, the result will be the setting and operation of a mighty movement such as we have not yet witnessed. Brothers and sisters, we have not yet witnessed that mighty movement. There are many people, and I even see one brother seated over in this section over here who has spent a lot of time in New York City. A lot of people who have spent time in various cities, and God has blessed in a magnificent way but we have not yet seen that mighty movement. By God's grace, we want to see it happen. 
Thank you, ASI, for featuring the cities of the world. And thank you for the emphasis on NY13. A little less than a year from now, that program will kick into gear in a dynamic way and last over many months. For our comprehensive urban evangelism approach is not simply to be an event-oriented situation, but it is a process. It is definitely a way of life, a lifestyle, to bring the Adventist message to the people of the cities. But it will have, at times, public activity. A little less than a year from now, in June, I, along with many others, intend to spend three weeks at least in New York City and to preach from multiple sites. In fact, Don King, the president of the Atlantic Union and the chair of the coordinating committee, is hoping for at least 300-plus sites in the metropolitan New York area. I want you to pray for NY13. And for some of you who are interested more in trying to find out, you can certainly get one of these fact cards in the uh, exhibition area. You can go on to www.ny13.org and find out more. And as Elder Jackson has indicated, we will be having a prayer rally next month in New York City, and I plan to be there. But in June, I plan to preach the precious message of God's soon return to the people of New York, along with many others. In fact, I'm going to have the privilege of preaching it in the very church on 11th Street in Greenwich Village where God allowed me to start my ministry in New York. I want you to pray for me and for so many others as we reach every soul through the power of the Holy Spirit in these great cities of the world. Mission to the cities goes along with revival and reformation. And if we are not revived, we cannot impart this precious message. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord, all of us, Regardless of what opinions we hold on various subjects, we need to humble ourselves before each other and the Lord. In fact, I want to share with you an incredible quotation from Spirit of Prophecy. Selected Messages, Book 2, page 397. I am instructed to say to Seventh-day Adventists the world over, including Cincinnati and each of us here. God has called us as a people to be a peculiar treasure unto himself. He has appointed that his church on earth shall stand perfectly united. That's what God wants, and I want to tell you that is what is going to happen. Perfectly united in the spirit and counsel. You see, you can't just have the Spirit. You've got to have God's Word. You've got to have the Spirit of prophecy in order to be united. Perfectly united in the Spirit and counsel of the Lord of hosts to the end of time. 
You're going to see a great emphasis in the next few months from the General Conference and throughout the world on medical missionary work, the right arm that helps the gospel to move forward, a blended ministry, a re-emphasis on the need to pull together and to follow God's counsel. I'm so delighted with the way that the Great Controversy Project is evolving around the world. In North America, those of you who live here, you're now beginning to hear more information and there are goals of trying to distribute upwards of five million copies <clears throat> of The Great Hope, which is a condensed version <clears throat> excuse me, of, of The Great Controversy. My great prayer goal, and I want to challenge you tonight, here in North America, those who are watching on television, those who are here in this auditorium, there is no reason why North America and its strength and its members cannot distribute 50 million copies of that book. At 39 cents a copy, we could distribute 5 million just out of this group here. I want to tell you that as we listen to those who are preaching God's Word, and what a precious sermon we heard from Pastor Boonstra today, about getting to our mission, about trying to save the last soul. I want to tell you, my heart is thrilled. I am of good courage tonight. God's church is moving ahead. And as we participate in all the things here at ASI, I just marvel. This morning I had opportunity to touch base about the, the exciting New Beginnings project. Then I was able to talk with the early teens and with the youth and then back here again to talk on the one-day church and all of those kinds of things. All of the projects that are involved here help us to know we are coming to the end of time. Do you believe it's time to do our Father's business? Belief versus unbelief. Do you really believe it? I want to tell you that this is God's Advent movement. This is His remnant church. This is His three angels' messages. The sanctuary message is His message. His final warnings to the world are the messages we are to proclaim. We are a people of promise to share the straight message to the world of Christ's precious love and His soon coming but to hold people to know the Word of God and what the message says, the straight message. Do we believe it? It's time to be about our Father's business. You know, when you reflect on the children of Israel and how they had so many signs that told them that they were being led by God, repeatedly, God gave them all kinds of physical signs, everything from the cloud and, and uh, the, the pillar of fire all the way to manna, to demonstrations of water and food and preserving them in the wilderness, and yet they doubted all along the way. 
Is that not an indication for those of us in the last days as spiritual Israel to understand that the devil will try to bring in every possible deception, every possible form of unbelief so that you will not be able to believe even your very eyes except that you know this word. Do you believe? You know, it is time. It is time for the Elijah message. It is time to stand up and speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth. Jesus is coming soon. You know that wonderful story that's familiar to all of you I want to touch on for the next 15 minutes or so. And I want to make an appeal to you at the end. to ask if you really do believe if it's time. That marvelous story about Elijah, the very humble individual, Elijah the Tishbite, the reformer, the simple man, the straightforward person who had a burden for Israel. That man prayed to God to change the course of Israel. I want to challenge every single one of you. Prayer is powerful. God can do incredible things as you pray to him to change the course of whatever is facing you or the church. Never minimize the power of prayer. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me at this very meeting and have told me I'm praying for you I'm praying for you I'm praying for God's church no matter what we go through brothers and sisters no matter what we face no matter what meetings we have to go to no matter where we have to stand for truth I want to tell you God will see this church through prayer is a powerful enemy to the devil's incredible plans. Prayer is the victory that God can give to us. Well, Elijah prayed that prayer. Elijah was given a message for Ahab. We read in uh, 1 Kings chapter 16 that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Well, Ahab was an extremely wicked person, but Elijah walked to Samaria into the palace. He passed by the guards. He gave no apology because he was on a mission. It's about time, brothers and sisters, to be on our Father's business. He made no apology. He came. He gave his message. Chapter 17, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And then he disappeared. The guards couldn't stop him. Nothing could hold them because he was on God's mission. Well, people heard about the prophecy the way they do today, you know. They make fun of God's church. There are a lot of skeptics. There are a lot of cynical people. Oh, what's Elijah know? 
It's always rained. It's going to rain. They ridiculed what Elijah had to say. I want to tell you as you preach the Elijah message today, you will be ridiculed. Be prepared for it. And thank God and claim Matthew 5 that if you suffer in the name of the Lord, the Lord will bless you. Don't be afraid. Well, soon the vegetation began to wither. Now, the priests of Baal had insisted that Baal gave the rain, and so they continued to worship and offer their sacrifices. One year, no rain. The fields were like deserts. The groves where the idols were were leafless. The forests were like skeletons. Dust storms came, hunger and thirst everywhere. And Jezebel denounces Elijah as the source of the problem. Now here's an interesting point. Many times when you are standing for truth, those who receive the truth denounce you as the problem. And so Elijah said, if we put him out of the way, all our troubles will be over. They searched for Elijah, Elijah, but he couldn't be found. Because God had protected Elijah at a brook. He fed him by the raisins, uh, the ravens. And when the brook dried up, he took him to a very special place, another family that was about to give up. And God performed an incredible miracle there, which we don't have time tonight to go into. But Jezebel was so furious, she killed all of God's prophets. The drought and famine continued throughout the lands. Parents watched their children die. Israel still held to its pagan ways. Years of neglect of God were seen in the land. They needed to turn to God. We need to turn to God as we prepare for the last days of earth's history. Well, finally God told Elijah to, to go to Ahab. And in verse, eight, uh, verse 1 of chapter 18, it says that it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. And so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria, and Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. And Obadiah feared the Lord. Elijah met Obadiah, and he says, Go tell your master, Elijah is here. And Obadiah, of course, was terrified because he knew that they had been searching for Elijah everywhere. He was afraid for his life, but Elijah said, Go. You will not die. It's time to be about our Father's business. Don't be afraid to obey the voice of God. And so finally, the meeting was set up. Obadiah went to meet Ahab, and finally, there they are, face to face. Ahab, that proud king, and Elijah, the humble servant. And Ahab asks a most interesting question. Verse 17. It's a question that if you stand for God's truth, people will ask you. 
Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Are you the one who's troubling Israel, Elijah? Be prepared when you go forward in doing God's business. It's a pretty strange question. God had tried to turn Israel around. Ahab knew he was doing wrong, but Ahab tried to justify himself. Listen to what uh, Prophets and Kings, page 139, says. It is natural for the wrongdoer to hold the messengers of God responsible for the calamities that come as the sure result of a departure from the way of righteousness. Those who place themselves in Satan's power are unable to see things as God sees them when the mirror of truth is held before them. They become indignant of the thought of receiving reproof. Well, what about you and what about me? Are we ready to receive God's reproof in our own lives as we go forward in God's business? It is time. Another beautiful quotation from that same book, page 140. Today there is need of the voice of strong rebuke. I want to say this with wonderful love and kindness because every time we say something that is truth, it ought to be couched in the love of Christ. And yet it says today there is need of the voice of strong rebuke. For grievous sins have separated the people from God. Infidelity is fast becoming fashionable. Now can you imagine when those words were written what she would say today? Political correctness is the theme of the day. Fashionable. The smooth, I'm quoting now, the smooth sermons so often preached make no lasting impression. The trumpet does not give a certain sound. What a rebuke to each of us. Are you ready? Is it time to go about our Father's business? Quoting, Men are not cut to the heart by the plain, sharp truths of God's Word. Are you and I willing, are we willing, to humble ourselves and to accept God's changes for our lives? Well, Elijah showed great courage, and we ought to follow his example. He was a person who said, Thus saith the Lord. He spoke truth bravely. God needs strong men and women today to speak his truth clearly and do it in love. Do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Elijah gave his powerful answer in verse 18. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. And then he launches his appeal. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Ahab could do nothing else but to follow Elijah's command. And so then all Israel was assembled at Mount Carmel. I had the great privilege a few weeks ago for the first time to be in Israel. 
and to see from a distance. I didn't get close to it, but to see Mount Carmel. I wanted to go there, but our time limit was so uh, limited that I could not. To see that incredible place where this magnificent event took place. Ahab at once obeyed. He sent for all the people to come. Mount Carmel had been a beautiful place. The altars to Baal and Ashtoreth were seen in the leafless groves of that great mountain. And on the summit of one of the highest ridges was the broken-down altar of God. Elijah chose Mount Carmel as a most conspicuous place to display God's power. It was early morning. Everyone gathered near the top of the mountain. Jezebel's prophets marched in all of their array. The king in his regal robes arrived. And Elijah stands alone. His countenance was lighted with solemnity. The people waited for him to speak. And in verse 21, it says, he, he challenged them, How long will you halt or falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the word, the people answered him, not a word. It's time to be about God's business. Are you willing to stand firm for him? Well, people were afraid to reveal anything. And slowly, Elijah began to repair that altar. You know, in Prophets and Kings, page 148, we read this. The Lord abhors indifference and disloyalty in a time of crisis in his work. The whole universe is watching with inexpressible interest in the closing scenes of the great controversy between good and evil. The whole universe is watching us right now to see what we will be doing. Let us stand loyally for God's truth. Well, Elijah explains what he wanted to see happen. You know the story told those who were followers of Baal, you prepare an altar, I'll prepare an altar, and then we'll pray. We don't have time to go into the entire story, but you know exactly what happened. The whole day those priests of Baal were flailing themselves, self-inflicting wounds, trying to get their prophet, or their, their God and their prophets to be able to provide some kind of of fire, and Elijah was being very careful to watch that they didn't slip something in on the side. And then, of course, Elijah kind of began to tease them, cry aloud, for he is a god. Maybe he's meditating or busy or on a journey. Maybe he's sleeping. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, the God of the Seventh-day Adventist Church does not sleep. We have a God who will hear us and will see us through to the very end. And then at the end of the day, Elijah built that, rebuilt that altar. And then he asked for something very unusual. Put a little trench around it, bring water and pour it on the sacrifice. I wondered where they got the water, but of course the Mediterranean Sea was not far away. He had probably planned in advance and told them to bring water because I want to show something magnificent. God is going to do something extraordinary. 
poured water on it. Not only once, not only twice, three times. And the water filled the trenches. And then it came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah prayed. Verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people may know that you are the Lord God, that you have turned their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. I tell you, I wish I could have been there that day. As people were listening, it was quiet. And as Elijah finished that prayer, fire came down in such power that it not only burned up the sacrifice, it burned up the wood, it burned up the stones, it burned up the dust, it burned up the water, it dazzled the eyes of the multitude. Those who were in the valleys could clearly see it. And like a pillar of fire which separated the children of Israel from the Egyptian army, God was demonstrating his power once again that he truly was the God of the universe. And that same God will go with you as you go about your father's business. And the people bowed in submission to God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There was a great opportunity for revival and reformation after that experience. The prophets of Baal were killed and God had an opportunity Although we know the story about it afterwards, that Elijah became afraid. After seeing all those signs, he became afraid, and God had to remind him that 7,000 were still loyal to him. Brothers and sisters, don't ever feel that you're alone. God is there, and you have many faithful brothers and sisters around you. Tonight, as we close, I want to ask you, how long will you halt between two opinions? How long will I halt between two opinions? It's time to go about our Father's business. I want to challenge each of you to understand and remember that we must not be distracted by anything. We must not allow disunity to come into the church to take our eyes off of the great Elijah message that God has entrusted to each of us. Romans 12, verse 2 in the Phillips translation, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't allow the devil to challenge you on biblical authority, on the Sabbath, on creation, on the sanctuary service, on righteousness by faith, the uniting of justification and sanctification, both which are so important to the righteousness of Christ and that which we receive from him. Don't allow people to dissuade you, to give you a cloudy understanding about lifestyle, about how to dress, about what to eat. You know, we're saved only by grace. But I want to tell you the same Savior that saves us by grace also gave us the original diet in Genesis 2. And he asks that whatever we do, we ought to give God the glory. And so as we go about, don't be distracted by what the world says about lifestyle or music or your principles or your, your lifestyle. But remember that God is leading his people. A shaking is coming. We know that. God is asking you to stand firm for him 
It's time to be about our Father's business. It's time for revival and reformation. It's time for mission to the cities. It's time to be revived by his word. It's time for medical missionary work. It's time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world so that the world may know in the cities and the country that the Lord, he is the God. Are you willing tonight to go about your father's business? Are you willing to go from this ASI convention renewed in the spirit of the Lord to help you to know this is God's hour. We are part of the Elijah message and it is time to be about God's business. If you're willing to do that and you want to be part of the dynamic activity of this Advent movement, would you just stand in commitment right now? Loving Father, you see your people standing before you. We again have made a commitment to follow you in everything we do. Lord, this is the time for the Elijah message. This is the time to speak truth in love. This is the time to open God's word and to share it with people everywhere, to keep in our minds the vision and the mission of this church. Help us not to be distracted in any way, but help us to keep ourselves as true to duty as the needle to the pole. Lord, we submit to you now and ask that you will guide us. We know it's time to be about your business. Fill us now with the Holy Spirit as we do just that. In Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.